confess. If you have your Bibles, you can stand with me. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. But now, you also put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you put off the old man with his deeds. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. You are worthy of our praise. You are good all the time, and we are not. But Lord, you come to us in our need, and I pray that right now we will recognize how great a need we have for you. I pray, Lord, that we'll allow you to speak to our hearts, that your words will come alive because they are spirit and they are truth. I pray, Lord, you will send conviction where it's needed and draw us all near to the heart of God. We'll give you the glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. You can be seated. I appreciate your prayer request this morning, Tricia. We are praying for her, your sister and brother-in-law and her family. We're praying that God will give them that courage and strength. And I'm praying also, as you requested as well, they will continue and begin to grow in their knowledge of Christ as well. How many know today, if you're born again, we have a brand new life? A life that is different from the old. And we've been reading this verse for quite a few weeks now. And our focus is actually on verse 9, where the Bible says to put off, seeing you have put off the old man with his deeds. But I can't get over the fact that verse 8 began with, but now. And I'm always reminded if there's a now, there was a then. And now that we are in Christ, now that we began a brand new life, and the whole point of chapter 3 of Colossians is to describe that different kind of life. And I want to say today, I am not where I really want to be, but I'm a lot farther down the road than I used to be. I am more and more becoming like the Lord Jesus Christ. And here in Colossians 3, there's a call going out to accept the invitation to live out every day our new identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, He is my Lord, He's my Savior, and He's my friend. And He walks with me each and every day. And we have to remember the hardest work is already finished. It's already done. The Bible says that those who have been raised with Christ have put off the old self and put on the new. Colossians 3.1 If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. So when we come to Jesus Christ and we confess Him as our Lord and Savior, our old ways die. We now begin to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. And my friend, this is a moment-by-moment 
renewal in our lives. And here's the thing we need to understand. We must actively choose to leave that old ways behind. And I want to tell you, folks, it's something we will battle with the rest of our lives. Because the old man still wants to raise his ugly head. We've got to leave those ways behind that were controlled by sin and death. And now we must walk in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to get into his word. And we must remember also that our spiritual lives are a lifelong journey. Now remember, the moment you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're as saved positionally as you will ever be. Amen. But the Bible literally says we are, we are being saved. And we're not home yet. We haven't reached glory yet. And we're in the process of living for Christ. And God is always inviting us deeper every day into the heart of God and to learn about the abundant life He offers. How many are glad for the abundant life? Amen. And Jesus said, I didn't come just to give you life. I came to give you life more abundantly. And that life is in Jesus Christ. And so the day, the day that we got saved, the day you were saved, Jesus captured your heart. Think about that. And we were captured by the heart of Jesus. And because of that, the Bible says we're to seek those things which are above. Verse 1 again. If you then be risen with Christ, what it says, seek those things which are above. Seek those things which are above. And the Bible also says we're to seek the kingdom of God first. Matthew 6.33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things can be added unto you, shall be added unto you. So we're going to seek the things with above. We're going to seek his kingdom with all of our heart. And that's the way we truly become new. We spent the last several weeks, at least, looking at things to mortify, things to put off. Colossians 3, 5 again, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. Verse 8, Put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. That was then. And my friend, if you're still living your life that way, you're not born again. Because that was the, that was the then. We are in the now. Because before we were saved, we were caught up in this world. And you know why we sinned? Because we were sinners. And we enjoyed that sin. And the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. The Bible also says we were dead in our sin. Colossians 2.13 And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven, notice this, you all trespasses. How many glad your sins are forgiven? Not just part, but all of our sins. 
All the old things changed when we came to know Jesus Christ. We are now living a new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, we're to put to death all of those things we've talked about over the last month or two. So now that we're born again, the Bible says we've got to deal with those things that are not pleasing with God. There are things we have to put off and things we have to put on. And Paul talks about putting on the new man and getting rid of the old man. Colossians 3, verse 9 and 10. Do not lie to one another. Notice this. Since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So let's focus this morning on putting off the old man. Brother Rick sings a song, the old man is dead. And we die with Christ the day we were saved. But there's a lifelong process. Ephesians 4, look at verse 21 and 22. The Bible says, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning concerning your formal conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. So Paul says that if you have heard Christ, if you have been taught by Him, if you've learned the truth that is in Jesus Christ, and how many know that Jesus is truth? If you've learned that truth, Paul says, the Bible says, put off your former lifestyle. Get rid of that. Before we were saved, we lived in darkness. We lived in sensuality. But again, that was then. And now that we're born again, now that we are believers, we are taught in Christ a brand new manner of living. And by the way, we're taught to leave behind our former life. Now I want to say today, I remember how I used to be and I don't want to go back. I don't want to live that lifestyle anymore. I remember the guilt and the pain and the heartache. And I don't want to live that life anymore. And the Bible says very clearly here that the old man, we had to put that off. We had to make a decision to put off our former conduct. He's talking about the old self, the old nature there. Talking about each person as we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, we're to put off our former life. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Before we were saved, we were slaves to sin. Before we were saved, we were bound to this world. And my friend, the worst thing of all in my life, before I was saved, I was without hope. Thank God for the hope I have in Christ. Thank God. Now let me remind you, because we're saved doesn't mean we never... Sin, we will. 
Satan is still trying to tempt us. He's still trying to draw us into his traps. But we have to understand that Christ has a power to deliver us from the snares of Satan. And when the Bible speaks about the old man, it's speaking about the areas of our life of rebellion against God. And the bottom line is, if you are a Christian today, and myself, we must forsake that former lifestyle. We cannot live the way we used to. It's, it's very similar to putting off our, our old clothes, if you will. And the same way we have to get rid of our identification with our simple path, and we now have to live like we are children of God. We are His children. And so when the Bible says we're to put it off, it means we make a, a, a decision, a conscious decision, every day of our lives. And our, our goal is to remove anything in our lives that feeds the old evil desires we were used to carrying in our life. In Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible gives us a description of who we were. Look what it says, verse 17 through 19. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. When Paul wrote the letter to the churches, the church at Ephesus, most of the congregation there would have been Gentiles. And Paul says, God has saved you, and because of your salvation, you should no longer live the way other Gentiles do. In verses 13 through 16, we're not going to read them this morning, but Paul described mature believers. In the beginning of verse 17, he begins to give a brief description of the unsaved. Notice what he said about the intellectual problem. He talks about the futility of their thinking, speaking about their mind. And he also talks about and mentions darkened in their understanding. So their minds are futile in their thinking, and they have darkened minds. Now, I do hope that you share your faith often. I hope you share your faith at any opportunity. But I want you to realize, and maybe you've already experienced this, whenever you try to share your faith with a non-believing friend or relative, they could even be very intelligent people, and you share your faith, and they look at you like you're from another planet. 
What are you talking about? Now, first of all, I want you to realize it doesn't mean that those people are stupid. It doesn't mean that at all. The problem is they have darkened, unregenerate minds. The futility of their thinking. Now, I know that Jess didn't see my notes, but I thought it went well with what he said this morning in the opening remarks. Peter reminds us that we should always be ready to give a reasonable explanation for our faith. And especially if they're interested. Make sure you know why you're saved. Make sure you can tell other people about the joy you have in your life, knowing that Christ has set you free from sin. Give that reasonable argument. But here's what I want you to know. The real struggle today, and it's always been that way, by the way, is not a matter of explanation. The real struggle is a matter of illumination. And we have to pray, have to pray that God will turn on the light. That God will illuminate their minds. And I know I speak often about my unsaved dad. I'm still praying for him. And I don't know when it finally came to me. And through the years, the times I've tried to explain to him, the times that my sister and brother-in-law have tried to explain to him about his need for a Savior. And I realized I'm not trying to win an argument here. I need God to speak to his heart. I need God to illuminate his mind because his mind is darkened. And so, yes, we need to continually give a defense of the gospel, of our faith, For anybody who asks us, but my friend, we also, more importantly, need to pray that God will lift the darkness. So first of all, there's an intellectual problem. But the second thing that Paul talks about in verses 17 through 19, Paul says they have a hardened heart. My goodness, what a terrible place to be. And what that tells me is the problem is not only intellectual, the problem is willful too. And that's why it is impossible to argue anyone into the kingdom of heaven. You can't do it. And most of the time, at least the biggest part of the time anybody would say, People will not reject Christ on an intellectual basis. They either reject him or ignore him because they don't want to surrender their will to his. It's a problem with the will. And I want us to realize this morning, whenever we present Christ, whenever it appears that we are receiving an objection every thing we say, every truth we claim. The question we need to ask is this. 
Is this an intellectual problem here? Or is it just the fact that this person, whoever it is, doesn't want to submit themselves to the will of God? If it's intellectual, try to answer the question. If it's more a willful rejection, recognize that and deal with it on a heart level. Deal with it on a heart level. Pray that God would illuminate their mind, illuminate their darkened, hardened heart. And my friend, only God can do that. Our job is to present the gospel clearly. Our job is to give a reason for our faith and do it clearly. But we all understand that we've got to pray that God will open their hearts. So with unbelievers, they've got a messed up mind. They're futile in their thinking. But also, they've got a problem with their will. They don't want to submit. So what happened? Where did we go wrong when we were unsaved? Why were our hearts and minds rebellious against God? Why are the unsaved now rebelling against God? And Paul gives sort of a reason here. And Paul says... When you've got darkened minds and you've got darkened hearts, darkened behavior follows. And my friend, we're living in a dark world today. I mean, think about this. What else could an unregenerated mind, what else could an unregenerated heart generate except darkness and bad behavior? Sometimes if we're, if we're not careful, we tend to think that sin is worse today than it ever has been. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think sin has always been bad. Uh, there's more ways to get it out today through communication. I understand that. And, and certainly, uh, Paul says that darkened heart gets worse and worse. And it is. We see it in our, in our culture. And we have to understand it's true. And so just like the world that Paul lived in, um, they had accomplished much in the Roman world. And yet, that society was in a moral freefall. And I want to tell you, folks, we're living in a culture that's accomplished, accomplished much today in America. But I want to tell you, America is in a moral freefall. We are falling away from God. And just like sexual immorality was rampant in Paul's day, including homosexuality, there was corruption in the politics that day. That was the norm. Violence and cruelty were commonplace. And even the arts featured a lewdness and suggested sexual overtones. And my friend, the same is going on today. And as Paul considered what was going on in his world, in that moral wasteland that he lived in and the people he wrote to lived in, Paul wrote about darkened minds and he wrote about darkened hearts. And Paul said the only thing that can come from that is darkened behavior. And we see it in our world today. 
And we have to realize that sin has a narcotic effect on people. Sin has a narcotic effect on cultures. And it feels good and it's fun for a little while. But there comes a time it begins to break down and break us down. And it deadens us to what is good, to what is right, and to what is true. And my friend, we're seeing that in the church in America today too. And whenever we think about the moral and ethical darkness we see all around us, we have to remember that that kind of behavior is absolutely consistent with a darkened, deadened heart and mind. And my friend, that's the world we live in today. And when we consider that, we have to be willing to shine the light of God's love and the light of God's truth and pray that God would bring about change. And my friend, I think it needs to begin with us. It needs to begin with us. What are you saying, preacher? I want to tell you, folks, as a child of God, as a church, we need to preach His Word. Stay true to God's Word. We cannot allow the culture to define our moral standards. Sin is still wrong in any culture. We have to be actively involved in helping our church that will shine in our community as a beacon of proper moral conduct. We have to make our family a place where we teach and we model and we uphold moral standards. We have to be a, not just a people of the book, we got to live like the book. Live according to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to remember that our old selves, we were corrupted by deceitful lust. Again, Ephesians 4.22. The old man, which grows corrupt, notice this, according to the deceitful lust. And my friend, if that is not controlled by the Holy Spirit, you're headed the wrong path. There was a time we lived in the futility of our minds. A time we lived when our understanding was darkened. A time we lived we were alienated with God. And my friend, we were blind. We were uh, without hope in God. But thank God that has Paul says in verse 22, the old man which grows corrupt. Paul is talking about a continual process, a process that does not end well, a process that ends in complete degeneration and death, a process that leads us farther away from God. But thank God Jesus came. And he came to offer us a new life, a new start, a new self. But my friend, once we're saved, we have to seek the help of Christ to put off that old man. We cannot do it on our own. And just like a person takes off a dirty, soiled garment, exchange something clean and new, the same thing we can do with the Lord Jesus Christ.
Christ offers us a brand new clothing, a robe of righteousness. I find it interesting that the verb put off in the Greek, it defines a definite act. We have made a choice. We've made a once-for-all decision that we are going to put off the old man when we decided to accept Jesus Christ's gift of salvation. Colossians 3.9 Lie not one to another, seeing you put off the old man with his deeds. Romans 6, verse 6 Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. I find it kind of interesting. We know from the scriptures that the old man died when we were were saved. And God took care of that the day we were saved. But Paul in Colossians reminds us we have a duty to put that old man off continually. In Romans 6, he reminds us that we've been crucified because from now on we don't have to serve sin. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we, have, we, are, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So Colossians 3 says, put off the old man. You have, that's past tense. Romans 6, the old man is crucified, that's past tense. But the writer of Hebrews says, you know what, we've got a job to do. We've got to lay aside all those weights. We've got to lay aside those sins that want to entangle us and hold us back. And all of that, my friend, is a, a, a daily practice. We have got to do that every day of our lives. And if we're going to understand the logical conclusion of putting off the old man, we have to understand the effects the gospel of Jesus Christ has on our lives. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and I've known him for quite a few years now, and and he was telling me about what was going on with his family, with his children and grandchildren. And God has blessed that family tremendously. And he said, somebody came to him one day and said, you know what, you deserve this. And he said, no, I don't. He said, I don't deserve any of it. In fact, he said, I deserve hell, what I deserve. Of course, you can tell he's a Christian. And we have to realize something, folks. Before we're saved, and even now, we don't deserve anything. Everything we have is a blessing from God. Everything we have. And by nature, not by nature, we were all children of wrath. By nature, we were dead in our trespasses. By nature, we were dead in our sins. We had no hope. 
By nature, we were hostile toward God and rebellious. And by nature, we were destined to experience the wrath of God. And then one day I read Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. But God. (laughs) But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. And I got to tell you, and I preached a whole series on that word but several months ago. That B-U-T, that but, but God, to me is the most meaningful conjunction in all the Word of God. I deserve wrath. I deserved hell. I was rebellious against God. I was living in sin and enjoying it. And I was headed for a devil's hell. But God. But God. Now think about this. Everyone, all humanity, by nature, were children of wrath. But God provided a way to become children of God by grace through faith in Christ. He provided a way. I don't know where I heard this first. But somebody asked the question, Why did God just provide one way? And the answer the other guy gave, I'm glad he showed me the way. I'm glad he showed me the way. You see, anyone who believes in Christ, anyone who believes in the person and the work of Christ, and we commit our lives to him and follow him, and make Him Lord of our lives, Jesus creates us anew. And we are at God's handiwork. And now we have a purpose of doing His good works. And I want to tell you something, folks. We'll talk more about the new man in a week or two ahead. But you can tell the difference between the old man and the new man. And I can say it again. I am glad I am not who I used to be. Ephesians chapter 2, look at verses 1 through 3. And he, I'm sorry, and you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the Spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So remember again, if we ask the question, what was wrong with us? The problem was a heart issue. Our hearts and minds were rebellion against God. And again, 
Darkened minds and darkened hearts can only produce darkened behavior. That's the only result you can expect. Look at verses 4 through 10 of Ephesians 2. Here's our but God again. Who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in sin and trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. But grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. Let me point out just a couple of things this morning in our text in verses 4 through 10. The Bible says God is rich in mercy. How many, how many are glad that He is? The Bible says that God has a great love which He loved us with. How many are glad for that? The Bible says that we've been saved by grace. And now we sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And one of these days, one of these glorious days, and it's only then we're going to realize how great His grace is. When we sit at his feet in heaven and we'll realize how great his love was for us. And we realize that we're there not because of who we were, but in spite of who we were. And because Jesus loved us enough to die for our sins. And I want you to know today, church, as a child of God, We should not live without hope. We shouldn't live our lives hopelessly. We shouldn't have our minds confused or filled with darkness. We need to live according to the truth we find in Christ Jesus. And if we're going to do that, the Bible says we have to put off the old man. We have to lay aside the old man. We've got to take it off and put it down. And live for Jesus Christ every day. Let's stand together. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Father, we we come to you today and, Lord, we recognize we are a, a needy people. And we thank you for the salvation you provided through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we thank you for your word that teaches us who we are now that we've been born again. But, Lord, I also realize that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. 
those who have gone before us, who have won the race, kept their faith, and were victorious and overcomers. And Lord, because of that, we know that if they made it, we can make it. But not by our own power, but by the power of God through us. And Lord, I pray that as we journey through this life, help us to lay aside anything that entangles us and hinders our walk with you. And Father, I pray today for those who are not saved. I pray, Lord, that you would illuminate their mind. And I know that the God of this world has blinded their eyes. Open their eyes, Lord, that they might see the hope in Christ Jesus. I pray, Lord, for those who think they're saved and they're fooling themselves. I pray, God, you'll speak to their hearts and draw them to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Folks, God is good all the time.